And we are live. We are happy to to come to you here tonight from Durham, North Carolina, First Pentecostal Church, uh, for this Biblos session. We welcome you. We join you. Uh, we're glad you joined us, rather, that, so that you could spend some time and enjoy the great things of God. We've had a great day here in service, um, powerful services this morning and tonight, and uh, at both uh, at Carver Street, the English uh, congregation and the Spanish congregation. Many people baptized. Great things happening locally. I pray they are where you are. I pray God is helping you and blessing you and strengthening you. It is a great day to be serving God. This is an amazing day to be serving God. God has plans. He has a purpose, and it is being fulfilled in the earth. So um, glad you could be with us. Glad that you can join in. We have a good session for you here today. Um, in the midst of all that's going on, we are um, we're actually currently loading up a bus to go to the Peak Conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We have just been moving, and it's summertime. It's camp meeting season. And so in the middle of all of that, we have had the honor and privilege of having my brother, uh, Joel Urshan, Pastor Joel Urshan from Cincinnati, Ohio, preaching for us today here in Durham. He preached this morning and tonight. Powerful, powerful messages. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But but he's here tonight with us in Biblos, uh, here at the Biblos Network, and I, I'm glad that he can join in with us. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. And uh, I have such uh, appreciation for the work that Biblos is accomplishing. And uh, everywhere I go, people are talking about the impact of Biblos. And um, I think it's great, and I'm excited about the things that are happening, excited about this conversation. And we had an awesome day today. Great things <laughs> happening at uh, First Pentecostal Church in Durham. Yeah. If, if you have an opportunity, go to the YouTube page. Um, go type into the search engine FPC Durham and go to the, uh, the Durham YouTube page or go to the Facebook page. You'll see two messages from today from uh, Brother Joel Urshan. Uh, this morning, um, the Lord is my Lord. And tonight it was the light of Israel. Two amazing messages that if you at all are able to, they will change your life. They will change how you view life and the Word of God. Greatly edifying, powerfully anointed. And so we just had a great time. I'm really glad you had a chance to be with us today. And I know your family can't be with you. Sophia was here with you, but the family couldn't be with you. Yeah, Sophia was able to come, and uh, she'll actually be going to peak this week as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. She's excited about that. Yeah, we're all loading up on a plane tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, But Heidi and, uh, of course, Zach and Anna, and my grandbaby now, mm. uh, little Letty. Letty. Uh, Alette. <laughs> uh, she's just the light of our life. Uh, amazing, the blessing of the Lord, uh, and, and bringing in this... People tried to tell me that it would be something I could never imagine, and they were right. I thought I thought I could. I couldn't. There's yeah. just a different kind of love for a grandchild. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, so that makes you Grandpa Urshan now. <laughs> That's true. You are the patriarch. <laughs> yes. And you're going to have to oh, start singing, uh, Somebody Touch Me, <laughs> and the devil wears a hypocrite shoe. No, no hiding place down here. That's right. Wear your white suit and some white boots, and, and we're in business. <laughs> It gives a whole new meaning to the term Grandpa Urshan. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, it was a great day, 
and uh, it's short, but it's sweet. And, um, you know, we're in the process of uh, getting established here more and more every week and every month. And we're preparing to, to build a home. And so we, we're going to have it where family can come and have holidays and do all kind of good stuff. You're doing big things in Cincinnati. We are. In fact, this week and last week, we've been pouring footers for the new worship center at Tree of Life Church. And that's going to seat a thousand people? A thousand people. A thousand yeah. people. Uh, yeah. And it's uh, it's going to be, uh, it, it's about 22,000 square feet. So it's a pretty large project. Yeah. Um, and then we have, of course, parking uh, lots that we're building as well. So it's a uh, it's an involved process. We've been uh, we've been uh, raising funds for this particular part of the project for three years. Three years. We just concluded that and and are now launching into that building program. So Praise God. It's a it's a monumental moment for us, a, a truly landmark moment, and we're well, excited about it. Yeah, for people that don't know, the Tree of Life Church in Cincinnati. If you're in Cincinnati, you owe it to yourself to go to Tree of Life and visit with them, be with them. You will be greatly blessed. Uh, and I'll say get there early because it's standing room only in the existing facility. Um, people are packed out into the foyer. I mean, it is wall to wall. And when you get in this new sanctuary, it's going to be amazing. We're, we're excited about it. And uh, we've been, uh, you know, that wall to wall feeling is a, it's a, it's an exciting feeling to be shoulder to shoulder. You know, there's a certain element of, of expectation that comes with that. Yeah. But we're looking forward to giving some people room, giving people some space <laughs> to yeah. worship. You know, when people move into new facilities like that, there's always a weird dynamic. Yeah. In Fort Myers, we were in the, um, you know, remember the old Kiwanis Club? Oh, yeah. You preached in the Kiwanis Club. I did preach in the Kiwanis Club. Yep. And and we were wall to wall there. And um, it, was, it was, it's hard to explain how that works. It's like worship grows more intense or something. I don't. I don't know. When you're there, yeah. When there's people all around and they're they're just kind of together. There's that one accord, one place feeling. I yeah. guess you could call it. But it's real. I mean, people respond to it. Um, and then when you do move into a bigger space, you know, for a while it takes people a moment to acclimate. Yeah. Uh, and then the goal is to fill that space up and get it wall to wall. So that's what we hope to do. <laughs> Lord willing. Well, I have all, all confidence that that's going to happen. God's Amen. really blessed you guys there. It's a neat day. Um, it's an apostolic day. Yes. There's, um, you know, different organizations and um, whatnot that the apostolic world has kind of been sectioned into, but it's an apostolic day. You just recently preached a conference in Texas. Yes. And, and in that conference, um, Brother, Brother Smelzer, you had at that conference um, with Ari Prado. Right. You had Court Chavis, mm -hmm. Randy Williams, David Jennings. I can only imagine what in the world that sounded like. Yeah. yeah it was um, powerful. Yeah. And then you preached and some other men preached. Yeah. Brother Josh Carson preached. Brother Carson. So yeah. what, a, what a melting pot. Yeah. It was, it was really cool to see the collaboration of uh, apostolic brothers and sisters who uh, are all on the same team, maybe maybe in different organizations, but all on the same team. So we've talked about this before, and I, I think this is kind of a a good way to look at it. People want to know how people 
even brothers, in different organizations and, and coming from different perspectives can, can work together mm-hmm. as though that, that's some strange thing. We've never not worked together right? since we were little kids. Right. Even, I, I even believe that God has ordained that we work together on, on a lot of things. Um, but I view the apostolic world a lot like Israel in that Israel had an outer boundary. God told Abraham, I'm going to give this to you and to your seed after you. And so it had this outer boundary. Wherever his foot fell, God gave it to him. And then when later when Joshua came into the land, they divided it up. And so there were boundaries within boundaries. Mm-hmm. So over here is Reuben, over here is Naphtali, over here is Asher, over here is Dan. The tribes had different places they occupied within Israel. And I have often looked at the kingdom of God, the apostolic world, in a similar fashion. The outer perimeter is, is the land. It's Acts 2.38. It's oneness. It's holiness unto the Lord. It is all the core doctrines and tenets that hold us and bind us together and that we operate and live in. And then within that outer perimeter, there's boundaries. There's places where people feel comfortable. People feel um, they, they see things a certain way. They conduct themselves a certain way. They have certain life habits and ways of doing things. And, it, and everybody's got a little different uh, dynamic to them. And those boundaries were there in Israel. And so Judah might be here and Asher might be over here. And they did not have just a ton of interaction, but they would go up and worship at Pentecost and they would go to Jerusalem. Right. And, right. Um, but when the enemy came, mm-hmm. when someone attacked an Israelite, then all of those internal dynamics kind of evaporated and they all showed up. And my feeling with that is if anybody's going to hurt my apostolic brother or sister, we may not have every single thing the exact same. Um, somebody says they like wine. Some people says they like grape juice, and that's where they're going to draw the lines, <laughs> whatever. But, man, when it came time to fight the Philistines, we're running them out of the land, and we're going to be together. <laughs> and then when it was done, they went back to their land, and they kept on loving God. Yeah. And that's I've kind of seen things like that. Well, I think that's a great analogy because uh, it is, if we can see it that way, it helps us to understand that we're part of this covenant. And, and that, that covenant, the covenant name of, of the new covenant, the name of Jesus, the, that, that revelation, the oneness of God, uh, baptism into the name of Jesus Christ, and that in and of itself is a separating factor. That's it is. a separating doctrine. And we're all willing to, to stand on that and even suffer persecution for it. Even suffer persecution and be ostracized for it. <clears throat> it's very similar to Israel. And I think that the that's a good way to look at it, you know, having those core doctrines, oneness of God, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, these these being essential, holiness unto the Lord, uh re- evangelizing our world. Uh these are these are core uh fundamentals that hold us together. Yeah. And uh and it's very true that if if the enemy comes in, he's going to have a, a fight, or he should. And we kind of saw that last year. 
Mm-hmm. We saw that last year where we were all facing the same enemy, yeah. where the enemy was coming against the church. And you, you kind of saw some of the organizational dynamics um, kind of give way to the fact that when push comes to shove, we need each other. We need each other. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was, you know, I saw that in a microcosm in that conference that you're describing, uh, where there was there was great celebration for each other's ministries and uh, just all working toward the same goal. Well, I think it's healthy, and I think as we go forward, um, just being confident in who you are and loving people and having revival, I think there's going to be some good things that come out of that. Even, you know. Uh, to watch an apostolic like Tony Spell be on the front page of CNN and NBC and all the different media conglomerates that were posting things all over the web. Um, you know, Tony's a friend of mine, and I, he and I don't see eye to eye on everything, but but I don't want anybody hurting him. No. And I want him to succeed. That's right. And the apostolic dynamic was just thrust into the limelight. Yeah. And... um that's right. That, that you know, with Brother Tony Spell, that was the case, and uh, he, you know, he was he was. I, I viewed it as him kind of like Peter walking on the water. Yeah. You know, uh, we were all hoping that it would go well, yeah. that he would succeed, and and it's amazing to see how the Lord has just brought him through yeah. all that he went through. Yeah. And uh, and the Lord the Lord was glorified, and yeah. I, even Brother Art Hodges in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took things to the Supreme Court. Got all the way to the Supreme Court. And won cases. Yeah. Established legal precedent. So that precedent is established. We are now in the books. Right. And Jesus' name people did that. Right. Right. It was was an unusual thing to see apostolic brethren. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you. International news outlets. Yeah. One one headline would be Glenn Beck said that's and that's and that's, and then Tony Spell said that's and that's. And I said, what, what planet am I on right now? <laughs> but you know, we always knew that there would be a. We always knew that there would be a persecution to come against the church, yeah. and 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 I know that the persecution uh, that we have experienced it it. it in many ways, it pales in comparison to what our brothers and sisters overseas yeah. have experienced. So I'm not trying to equate the two necessarily, but it let us know there's lurking. Oh, yes. There is lurking an undertone of opposition to uh, Christianity, an opposition to Jesus' name, uh, believers, our worship, the concept of gathering together and worshiping God together. Uh, there's an opposition out there to that. Boy, there is. And for anybody to say that that hasn't hurt people of faith during this year, they're sticking their head in the sand. There are denominal churches that were well attended yeah. that uh, pre-COVID. Now that the restrictions are lifting, people don't come back. That's right. And, and it really, this thing that was sad to me was it, it affected the weak. It affected the weak in the faith. Uh, people who, it, even in our own churches, those who are, uh, it, I, would, I would lament those who already were struggling a little bit. And they, they need that weekly gathering, that, that multiple times a week of connecting with their, the, the family of God. 
a person who's strong in the faith, they can survive and get through a period of hardship. But a, a people who are weak in the faith, you know, that, that's, the, that's the great casualty of, of what we experienced. So I think we've learned a lot in looking back. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, the church is going to be fine because the church is strong. It's built on the rock. The church is going to be fine. Yeah. But th- those that are weak among us, they, 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 need, they need that connection to the body. Yes. And so it, 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 um, I'm grateful to see a lot coming back. Yeah, and I even noticed that apostolic churches, many of them saw growth. Yes, they did. So That's right. I, I saw denominal churches get hit hard mm-hmm. because, um, for good or bad, COVID highlighted people's consecration. Yeah. It, you know, if you are ready to die, there's an old saying, you know, if you're not ready to, to live for God, then you won't be ready to die for God. Mm, right. And I, I had a man, he came here to the church. He was a longtime member from a, a church in the community and they just shut down. I mean, cold Turkey and didn't make any pretense of services or anything at all. And, um, and we worked through it. We worked with our government officials, but we began to have church and we were, mm-hmm. we were just walking our, th- our way cautiously. Um, he showed up and he said, can I please come to church here? My, my church isn't having church. Mm-hmm. Have, isn't having service. And so we, absolutely come on in. And he just came in and joined right in and God just blessed yeah. him. And, and, and he looked at me and he said, I thought we were supposed to be ready for, to die for this. Mm. He said, right. I am. Right. right. And, and so you know, it really resonated with me. Yeah. Um, so in a lot of ways, it exposed, you know, just a lot of different dynamics that, in people's faith. Well, yeah, and I think we had never faced anything like it. And because we had never faced anything like it, we weren't quite sure how to react to it. Yeah. Uh, but it became clear pretty quick that, that a lot of this is being used as leverage against the church. I mean... And and the the concepts of of worshiping together uh, became challenged, challenged and minimized. So you had you had mm-hmm. you even said it tonight while you were preaching. You said we're going to allow secular scholars right. to tell us how to worship. Mm-hmm. And and I read many different people that were in places of authority saying, "What's the big deal?" Just worship at home. And of course, they have no frame of reference mm-hmm. for the kind of power unleashed in yes. an apostolic service. Right. And for those of you who are watching this and, and you're, what, you're, you're curious about Pentecost and you're kind of watching Biblos and getting, I mean, a lot of you, have, we've had several people come to our church from Biblos mm-hmm. and from Facebook and YouTube, just from Durham here locally. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you you know if you've tuned in to Tree of Life or FBC or or maybe another apostolic service, there is no comparison to what is seen, yeah, compared to what is felt in person, yeah, and and the 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 streaming services are a great blessing. Our shut-ins use them. People that are in the hospital, people that are elderly, that can't get out, people that are in other countries. Mm-hmm. You know, we we minister to a lot of people, um, but. To be there in person tonight was simply fire. It was fire. It was it was rapturous. I mean, rapturous. It, it was so powerful, 
And, you know, the Queen of Sheba came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now, whatever she heard was compelling enough that it brought her from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear his wisdom. But when she arrived, she made that, that famous statement that she said, I'd heard of your wisdom, and, of course, that compelled her to come. But then she said, but the half has not been told. Yeah. And that's what we have to understand about the truth of God and the Word of God is that there is a half that must be told. Mm. That's the gospel, the preaching of the gospel. But there's another half that can't be told. It has to be experienced. It has to be experienced. And so, you know, we, we have a responsibility to preach the first half of repentance. But you, you can't get the power of repentance until you experience walking away from your sins. Mm. We, we preach the first half of, of uh, worship, the, the, the blessing that comes from worship. And if you're not familiar or accustomed to the apostolic Pentecostal experience, it's very worshipful. And there is power in praise. And so when people don't have that, or like you said, many people would minimize it and say, what, what is the big deal? But, that, that, but that, comes from, that comes from people who don't value. Maybe they've never been exposed to it, or maybe they have been exposed to it, and, and they don't value that deep calling unto deep. Yeah. That... that uh, well of living water springing up uh, within us, and it's so vital. I think even tonight when I was preaching, I made the statement that we allowed scientists who refuse to acknowledge the biological difference between a male and female, yeah, minimizing that as a reality, yeah, to tell us how to worship God. It's insanity. And they tried to use what Paul would call an opposition of science, falsely so-called. And that's not to minimize the the virus. It it there's no question. Yeah. It was uh, you know, it was a real virus. It's real, it's dangerous. Yeah. And we and I think we were wise to be cautious. I think we were wise to to practice certain cautions. I also think we were wise to react once we realized what we were facing yeah what it was doing i think we were wise to get back engaged as we could and and how we knew to do and uh the church is i think stronger now than it was i think there's a greater value placed on these things that matter yeah maybe that we kind of took for granted before covid but people came back with a uh, i think mm-hmm. wiser stronger better and um uh, and, 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 and not going to let this happen again. Yeah. There's, a, there's not an appetite for allowing this to happen again. It's the truth. We are better. And, and the fire proves every man's work. Let every man take heed how he builds on the foundation. Some build wood, uh, hay, stubble. Some build silver and gold. Well, silver and gold becomes out more pure. Mm-hmm. Wood, hay, and stubble burns. Uh, so everything that's of man is going to be finite. It's going to be temporary. The, the, the gold, the silver... It's going to be refined. Mm-hmm. And so God's church is refined through the trial. Um, and COVID certainly did that for us. So we know as apostolics that our mandate from the Apostle Paul is to glory in tribulations, That's knowing right. yeah. 
that they work patience right. and experience and hope. And then when that's all done, hope maketh not ashamed. That's right. So yeah. we're not ashamed. We're bold. We're, yeah. we're prepared. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Seeing all those dynamics come to play. It's a, it's a unique hour we're living in. One of the things that I wanted to just touch base a little bit on tonight is uh, some of the things that you, you preach today. Um, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou out my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. So I've talked about the oneness a couple of different sessions. That's probably the biggest topic that people are interested in that I that that we have engaged with here at Biblos. We are um, there, there are Trinitarians who reach out to us. There are oneness people who reach out to us. And the right hand of God and the Lord, my Lord, the Lord, all of those dynamics, um, they, they're swirling in the atmosphere. People want to know. They're hungry about them. And the Old Testament, you said it this morning, and um, I think you alluded to it tonight, that we're preaching Jesus. From Genesis to Revelation, we're preaching Jesus. That's right. Yeah. And, and that's something that has to be done. And I, I, would, I would counsel every preacher that is listening to this, every young preacher, every aspiring minister, learn to look for Jesus all through the Scriptures. Look, look for him in Psalms. Look for him in Deuteronomy. Yes. When you see Moses, look for Jesus. When you see David, look for Jesus. When you see the Lamb, look for Jesus. Because he's in there. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and that's they it. are they which testify of me. Of me. You brought that out so good today. Well, that's just, it, it, that's the cornerstone, you know, uh, of it all. And that conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees there, search the scriptures, that alone, that admonition was so, it was so un, un, really, truly unprecedented because the Pharisees can quote those scriptures that he's telling him them to search. They can quote them front and back. And he's demanding that they search them and he's letting them know, you may be able to quote them, but you don't understand them. And that's a common thing. And that is a very common thing for people to be able to quote and not understand the Word of God. And so that, that, that whole interaction is that it is the cornerstone being disallowed. It's the stone of stumbling being stone disallowed. Stone that the builders rejected. The builders have rejected the stone. So the builders are the ones who have been entrusted with the building. I mean, they, this is the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and today it's the religious world. Yeah, the experts. The experts. The scholars, theologians. You know, I remember talking to a, um, a Trinitarian scholar when I was younger, and I remember him being very condescending, and I learned something. You know, I never read where Jesus condescended. No. Um, the no. only time it says that he condescended, it says he, he condescended to men of low estate. And it doesn't mean to be arrogant or to lord over. It means to come down to their he, level. He descended. To, to descend. Yeah. yeah. But the way they did it, I remember the smugness. I remember the sarcasm and the skepticism. I remember it bothering me, and I didn't know how to articulate it back when I was younger because I was sincerely communicating with a person about the Scripture. And it wasn't until later that God began to deal with my heart and began to let me know that men of God don't use those tools. Mm -mm. 
the Bible says in meekness we instruct those that oppose themselves. That's right. And so um, I remember then realizing they don't know this. They don't know these beautiful truths. Well, and that smugness is an insecurity. It's an insecurity. The arrogance is an insecurity about uh, what the person doesn't really truly understand. When, when you understand something, one, you're confident in it, but you're also, you're also uh, desirous to see people embrace it. You know, and it's a, um, there's, a, there's, a, there, there's a particular joy in being able to express it and when it's not understood, you don't get defensive, and it's it's a, you you get you you actually take time to to speak it again, and and when it's true, it stands. Yeah, smugness occurs when it's not true. When something is not true, you resort, you default to smirks, snideness, sarcasm, sarcasm. That's all. Those are all carnal weapons. Yeah. So it takes me to the scripture that says the wisdom that is from above is first peaceable. Exactly. It's gentle. Easy to be entreated. Easy to be entreated. Yes. So it's not just what we're saying. It's the spirit we're saying it in. Right. Speaking the truth. In love. In love. What a powerful statement. Yeah. So, you know, there's no need to get into a fight with anybody. The battle is not yours. No, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. And speaking the truth in love is so vital because the truth is a two-edged sword and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The truth is, it, 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 it's, it's to be a surgical instrument, not to be a blunt force trauma. Yeah. And so you, you anesthetize people with love. You anesthetize them with grace. Doesn't it talk about that in Ecclesiastes? Uh, the, the the blunt acts that you must mm. put more to the force. Mm. Well, yeah. there you have it. Yeah, and you know, so so truth is so potent and so powerful that with when it's not spoken in love, it just does damage. Mm. It just does damage. But when you speak it in love, it 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 actually goes in and it removes a you know the tumor, if you please. It's a beneficial cutting. It's a beneficial cutting. You know, nobody ever walks away from a surgery that saved their life and says, can you believe that doctor cut on me? Yeah. No, they walk away saying, thank, thank God. God. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way the truth is supposed to operate, but it can only do that in love. So that's Malchus's ear. It's Malchus's ear. So Peter, Peter, Jesus tells Peter, put up your sword. Put up your sword. So we're not, that's not the kind of fight. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. That's right. But literally, Peter cut off their ability to hear. That's in that, and how shall they hear? Yeah. You know, he that hath an ear, <laughs> let him hear what the Spirit <laughs> saith to the church. I see this, <laughs> this bloody ear, he that hath an ear. Here. He hath you you an need ear. one of these? <laughs> and and, and if, you, if they don't have, that's, and that's exactly what Jesus was trying to prevent Peter from doing. Yeah. Was saying he, he's going to need that one day. Yeah. So that he can hear the gospel. Yeah. And you're, your mishandling of the truth is preventing him from ever hearing the gospel. And there are a lot of people who, because of a zealot like Peter, yes, uh, in his in his haste, he removed their ability to hear the gospel. So a lot of people we talk about church hurt, for instance. Oh yes, a lot of people who have experienced church hurt, they struggle to hear the gospel because they encountered someone wielding the sword yeah. outside the context of love. You know what that is, and and for those of you tuning in, 
I'm glad that you're here. But what you're looking at is uh, an early morning session at Nanga's house. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's what. Right. That's what our our young cousins and nieces and nephews call grandma Nanga, and and we'll do this. It's beautiful, and we love it, and we want to share that with you. We want to share. That's what Biblos is all about. It's the books. Yeah. We want to celebrate the book, the the Bible, the Scripture. So when the men violated Dinah in the mm-hmm. Old Testament, right? the young man then fell in love with her and said, I want to marry her. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, one of them said, you can't, you can't marry unless you're circumcised. Mm-hmm. So they took every man in the camp and they circumcised him, which is a foreshadowing of obeying the gospel. It's the token of the covenant. It's, you know, there's a circumcision of Christ of Colossians two. So in old Testament form, these people were conforming to the covenantal dynamics. That's right. right. And so they took the sword, they, they cut them with the sword. There was a soreness. Mm -hmm. There is a pain that comes with dying to the flesh and crucifying the flesh, cutting away the flesh. Mm -hmm. And then they went and killed them. Yeah. The abuse and the misuse of the word of God to where you destroy life rather than save life and you take vengeance rather than have mercy. Yeah. Um, there's people that do that metaphorically in the New Testament. Yes, that's right. And and they received unto themselves a curse for it. They did. Unstable as water, violent. Um, uh, Israel cursed Instruments them. of cr- of wrath, mm. cruelty, cruelty, anger. Cruelty, yeah. 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 And what a price they had to pay later on. Yes, a tremendous price. And it's interesting because one of them was Levi, who was the uh, who was the forefather to the tribe that would bring the Levitical law. Yeah. And and so that is the way the law of Moses it would it would it would provide requirements and then and then people because the law was weak through the flesh, perfect in itself, but weak but it the killed flesh. it ultimately killed. It ultimately killed. So the, so the letter killeth. The letter killeth. And so the, 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 uh, that's what the Pharisees basically were doing. They were, they were issuing these requirements, but the requirements were not bringing life. It was just proving over and over and over again the futility of humanity mm. to ever equate with the perfection of the law. So Jesus says to these who were doing this, these builders, these, these uh, law interpreters, he says, search the scriptures. The ones you can quote, search them. You've missed what they're all about. Mm. They are they which testify of me. And man, that goes into everything the Old Testament says. Somewhere it is testifying of Jesus, God in flesh, who saves to the uttermost. So, you know, one of the things I brought out this morning is that when we look at the Scriptures, when the Scripture says, blessed is the man who walketh not after the counsel of the ungodly, uh, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, uh, uh, nor standeth in the the way way of sinners, sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's talking about the man. Who? What man? Exactly. Yeah. And, And so... There is a man who who fits that description, and it's not you or I or anybody yeah. else, but Jesus. Yeah, and he shall be like a tree. He shall be 
planted by the rivers of water, and a tree that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so it's this, it's this eye-opening uh, paradigm shift when you recognize that the scriptures are pointing to Jesus. Mm. He's the one who ascends into the hill of the Lord. He's the one who abides in the tabernacle. So it's a question, who shall ascend? Exactly, who shall ascend? And there's an answer to it. He yeah. that hath clean hands and a pure heart. What the, what the Pharisees were doing is they were reading that saying, oh, okay, so we've got to have clean hands. We've got to get a pure heart somehow. So they would clean their hands the best way they could, purify their heart the best way they could, but it was only filthier than what it was before they started. Yeah. Because the only way a person can have really, truly clean hands and a pure heart is if they're in Christ Jesus, because he's the only one who has clean hands. Mm. He's the only one who has a pure heart. So there's something to that that is very interesting when you start to give thought to it. We have to be in Christ. That's right. And I, I've been working on this. The Bible says that in Adam all die. Mm-hmm. So there was a time when we went from one, and from that one we became many, and death came by one. Right. And by one man's sin, many were made unrighteous. Right. And so if the disobedience of one can make all sinners, then the obedience of one can make absolutely all righteous. So we went from one to many, and now we're going from many back to one. Mm-hmm. We're being gathered back into Christ. So yes. we were in Adam first. We are now in Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that obedience of Christ is key. That goes back to when Samuel was talking to Saul and and admonished him that obedience is better than sacrifice. Mm. That's a New Testament principle. That's a New Testament principle and it's and begin again, they are they which testify of me. So yeah. this is yeah, it's addressing Saul's situation, but that whole picture is testifying of Jesus. Yeah. In Jesus' life, his obedience was even better than his sacrifice. Mm. And his sacrifice was clearly, it was the only thing efficacious to remove our sins. But without obedience, his sacrifice means nothing. So if he had not lived a life of obedience, then the sacrifice is just another martyr. Yeah. If he, if he had sin in his life, the sacrifice means nothing. But because he was obedient unto death, and, and that and that doesn't just mean that he was obedient or submitted to death. It 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 does mean that, but it also means he was obedient all the way up unto death. Yes. He was obedient all his life. Yeah. Even the death of the cross. That obedience qualified him to be the lamb. That's that's why he's worthy. That's why he's worthy. Worthy is the lamb. To open the seals uh, from the foundation of the world, he's worthy. So that's also what Paul is talking about when he says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The obedience of Christ. It's, oh, look at that. It's the obedience that he lived that he out, had that he had on earth. So his obedience in his life is then... We receive that. That's right. When we get Jesus Christ. That's right. And you said it today. You know, we were in the Old Testament. The mandate was you are not to eat blood. 
We were right. forbidden to eat blood because the life is in that blood. Yes. And when you go to the doctor for some kind of infirmity, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to draw blood. They want to look at your blood because the blood's going to tell what's going on. What have you been eating? What lifestyle have you been uh, living? Yeah. What is your activity like, your physical activity? They can see all of that in the blood. It's a snapshot of who you are right. and what you've done and the choices you've made, the decisions you've made. Well, when you ingest that, you are ingesting all of that from another creature. God said, don't do it. Right. Don't bring that into your blood. Don't pollute yourself. That's right. But when you take in Jesus Christ, Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body, That's drink, it. this is my blood of the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> you are taking in his righteousness, That's right. his obedience. That's the obedience of Christ. That's the obedience of Christ, and that's the life. So that, that when, the Bible, the Bible, when the Bible refers to in him was life, and the life was and the, light the, of life, the life is the life Jesus lived. It, the term there, life, that's not just some vague reference to, to life force. Or life force. Yeah. It's the life mm. that Jesus lived. That's, that's the one, the life that can ascend the holy hill. Exactly. That's yeah. it. That's the life that, is, that, that, that shines in the darkness. It's the light of men and the light shines in the darkness. Is the life that Jesus actually did live on this earth. That's I come to give you life. Yeah. And that more abundantly. That's, I am the resurrection and the life. Yeah. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live yeah. like I lived. And so it's this life of obedience, this life of righteousness, all of that righteousness, all of that victory over temptation, all of it was accumulated in the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why there's power in the blood, mm. because he overcame all sin, he, he resisted all sin, and he healed all sickness. Mm. So all power that we need is in the blood of Jesus Christ because it holds the record of the life. So when we get to heaven, it will be the Lamb's book of life. Of life. And that is a reference to the life yeah. that Jesus lived. Boy, that's so good. there's a there's a book of my life and yeah. there's a book of your life. And and we're going to be judged according to the book of that life. Unless our name is written in, in the, the lamb of the Lamb's life, Lamb's life. So I've often wondered this. I've often wondered if salvation is a is, is a heavenly hack. In that, so God obeys all the laws, all the mandates, and what He's doing is He is obeying the law, fulfilling the letter of the law. But yet He's also providing a way of salvation, mm -hmm. and so it's almost like He hacks the system. He comes in human flesh. He obeys. He overcomes. He then sheds his blood, gives his life. Now we enter into him. So we are, our life is hid in Christ with God. That's right. And That's so right. I've often wondered if when we get to heaven and they check our registration, if it's going to say Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. Oh, it will. Jesus. Because we died. We died. And yeah. our life is hid with him. Our life is hid with him. So it's like a computer that there's a, a hack. The computer doesn't know. Mm -hmm that it's the same thing coming in over and over and over and over again. But when we get there and, and they check that passport, every single one of them is going to say Jesus Christ. That's right. Because it's got his spirit and it's got his blood. Yeah. And that's, this is who it is. That's who it is. And he, that's who, that's who ascends the Holy Hill. We are in him. <laughs> <laughs> we are in him. And, and so that, that, that body that we're in, we call it the body of Christ. That's a resurrected body yeah. that we are in. And uh, so, yes, in, in fact, and how do we get in? We, we get in the same way Moses did. Moses said, show me thy glory. Yeah. 
And God said, no man can see my face and live, but there is a place beside me in the cleft of the rock. And that cleft, of course, has to do with cleave. It has to do with, uh, it's a breaking. Yeah, the opening. The opening. Even the grafting. Exactly. And that's Calvary. Yeah. When he was wounded. So there's a place in his wound. And the rocks were rent. (laughs) (laughs) And Thomas said, I won't believe unless I can actually put my finger in the wound. My. There's there's an opening in that body. My. For, for sinners to come, you can get, but you, but you do have to come into the body. You have to come into the body. And so there's a place by me in the cleft of the rock. Moses hides there, and the Bible says, I'll pass all my goodness before thee in my name. I will declare my name. Oh, man. And all, all of that is there. And he's not consumed because he is hidden. Because he's hidden in the cleft of the rock. And, so, that, and that rock was that Christ. Rock was Christ. <laughs> and that rock followed them. Yeah. Yeah, that's the you know we call it Rock of Ages. The song does, and I let you know that's not a that's not what the Bible calls it, but that but that's okay because it's true. It is a rock that was there for the ages. Jacob slept on it, David slung it. It was a rock hewn out of the mountain without hands in Daniel's day. When Daniel saw it, smite the image. It was not just a message to Nebuchadnezzar saying your kingdoms are coming down. It was also a message to Israel saying. The rock is here. Mm. The rock that followed our fathers in the wilderness, it's here in it's Babylon. Here. It mm. followed us to Babylon. <laughs> that rock is following us now. It's following us now. When we don't follow him, he follows us. So we are drinking of that same spiritual drink. We're eating that same spiritual meat, and and they drank from that spiritual rock. That's right. It's a spiritual rock. That's what it called it. And that rock was Christ. Mm-hmm. And it's the rock Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Behold, I lay in Zion a, a chief cornerstone. You know, it's a... Um, so it's not just the rock of ages past, but in Daniel's vision, in Nebuchadnezzar's vision that Daniel interpreted, the rock smote the image at its feet, replaced the image... And then it grew. Grew to a, whole, to a mountain that filled, filled the, the whole, whole earth. earth. So it's not just rock of ages past, it's rock of ages to come. My. And we're built on it. So when we go into that cleft, that's the new birth. That is living in the spirit, walking in the spirit, living in Christ. Um, As many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Right. We could talk all night about this. Unfortunately, I'm afraid we're out of time. Um, we got a, we got a bus that's taken off and we've got things to do and, um, the hour grows late. I wish we had more time. We are going to have to make more time, make more time. We'll do it because we need to dive into this rock and we need to, (laughs) we need to talk about it. It's always great to get to talk about these things. That's one of the (laughs) things I love about Biblos is it's, it's putting out that information for people to feed on and to, to find for themselves the places where Jesus is exalted. Praise God. Well, we're going to exalt the Word. We're going to exalt Jesus Christ. And and for those of you that are are joining us, um, we're glad that you could. We're going to have more sessions for you. We're going to. We want you to fall in love with the Word of God. We want you to 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 bind it for a sign between your eyes. It's frontlets between your eyes. Bind it for a sign upon your hand. Put it upon the doorposts of your house. Teach it diligently to your children. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when thou risest up, let it keep you. Let it sustain you. That is our 
hope, that is our desire, and, and anybody that does that is going to find the blessing of the Lord. That's what Biblos is about, and we pray that you'll be able to find that same blessing in your life. So until next time, we love you, we appreciate you, we're praying for you, and we will see you later. God bless you.